NPR. If you pay any sort of attention to the news, it seems like you cannot go a single day without hearing about the results of some new poll. With new CBS News polling showing that many Americans believe their standard of living is worse than their parents. Polls on the big issues of the day, from the economy and health care to crime and government spending. And, of course, all the election polls. Donald Trump continuing to have an enormous lead over the Republican field. Trump had a Biden-Trump rematch in six battleground states. The incumbent is trailing the former president in all but Wisconsin. Well, I will say I think your poll is a, a bit of an outlier. And with a huge election year ahead, the avalanche of polls is just getting started. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Waylon Wong. And I'm Adrian Ma. Normally on the show, we focus on economic indicators as a way to help us understand our complicated world. But, you know, political polls can also do that, too, as sort of political indicators, if they're done well and if you know how to make sense of them. So what separates a good poll from a bad one? What should we know in order to be smarter poll consumers? Today on the show, five tips from a couple of polling experts. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. The world needs entrepreneurial leaders, and you can become one at Babson College. Gain the skills to lead, motivate, and inspire through a specialized master's or MBA program with full-time, part-time, and online options. Turn ideas into action with a graduate program that caters to your professional needs and fits your lifestyle. Ranked number one in entrepreneurship by U.S. News and World Report. Apply now at babson.edu slash grad programs. This message comes from NPR sponsor E-Trade from Morgan Stanley. Take control of your financial future with E-Trade. No matter what kind of investor you are, their tools and resources can help you be ready for what's next. Now when you open an account, you can get up to $1,000 with a qualifying deposit. Terms apply. Learn more at etrade.com slash NPR. Investing involves risks. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC. Member SIPC. Etrade is a business of Morgan Stanley. Okay, so picture this. You turn on the news and you see yet another poll saying something like, I don't know, candidate X is leading the race by 30%. Or, you know, 60% of people say... Having a trendy water bottle is their most important issue. <laughs> I think that is pretty hot issue today. It's all I think about, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the big question for all these stories is just how much should you trust these poll numbers and how do you make sense of them? So for some advice on how we can all be smarter about polls, we reached out to a couple of experts. One was G. Elliott Morris, who oversees data analytics for ABC News and 538. Uh, Look, it's busy here. We're going to come out with some really cool data-driven journalism over the next 11 months, which is super exciting. Now, I can't pretend that staying up until 3 a.m. last night is sustainable. (laughs) We also talked to J.N. Selzer. She runs a polling research firm in Iowa, which recently conducted polling around the Iowa caucuses. Is, like, the Iowa caucus, like, your Super Bowl? Um, 
It is several days of grueling work. Okay, so maybe more like if you're playing in the Super Bowl and not if you're watching the Super Bowl and eating snacks. <laughs> not in the uh, metaphorical tailgate party. Right. Now, despite the fact that Elliot and Anne are in the middle of election season polling fever, they kindly took some time to share their top tips on how we can all be smarter poll consumers. And after talking with them, we have narrowed it down to five tips. Tip number one. According to J. Ann Selzer, when you're presented with a new story about a poll, look beyond the headline and beyond the top line numbers. Sometimes the story in a poll is right there on the top line. And sometimes you have to dig in a little bit. Because when you dig in, you find deeper layers to the story. For example, during Iowa's Republican caucus, Nikki Haley came in third. Now, before the primary, Ann had polled voters and Nikki Haley was shown coming in second. But Ann also asked voters, how enthusiastic are you about your first choice candidate? So for Donald Trump supporters, their answer was 49 percent said extremely enthusiastic. And for Nikki Haley supporters, it was 9%. That is a big enthusiasm gap. It's pretty revealing, right? And that's something you wouldn't get if you only read a headline about Ann's poll or just glance at the top line numbers, which would show Nikki Haley coming in second. You wouldn't see kind of how weak her support was. Okay. Polling tip number two comes from Elliot Morris. And he says, as you are reading a story about a poll, look for some mention of a margin of error. That's their number that tells you how wrong their poll could be. Usually it's about three percentage points. So, for example, if a poll says 50 percent of voters support Mayor McCheese and the margin of error is three percent, what this poll is actually telling you is that the number could really be as high as 53 percent, a majority, or as low as 47 percent. And in some elections, this could make a huge difference. So if a pollster is not telling you their margin of error at all. For all intents and purposes, they're conveying an overconfident reading of public opinion. So if a pollster doesn't give you that information, that is pretty much a cardinal sin of polling. Tip number three, Ann Selzer says, check if the story explains the methodology behind the poll or if there's a link to an explanation. She says even though all polls should explain their methodology somewhere, many do not. That's a pet peeve. So it's hard for me to judge the quality of the poll if I don't know how you did it. I think that reading the methodology statement is important and apply your common sense to it. In explaining their methodologies, pollsters should explain things like what kinds of assumptions they made, uh, how they picked and contacted the respondents. This kind of stuff matters, Anne says, because, well, for instance, a, a panel of people who applied to be in a survey might not be as accurate a cross-section of the public as randomly calling up a bunch of people on the phone. My approach is to keep my dirty fingers off my data. I don't want it to reflect my thoughts, my inclinations, my hunches, right? I don't, I don't want it to do any of that. I want it to be clean so it will reveal to me things I don't know. In addition to their methodology, Anne says more transparent polls will even publish their questions, which are great to get a sense of whether those questions are biased or even if the survey itself is flawed. A long, long time ago, I was working on a poll about transcendental meditation for a former employer, and the survey was 45 minutes long. And the survey revealed that 60% of the people in the area that we were polling 
had experience with transcendental meditation. And I said, I don't think that's true. Well, of that 45 minutes, how much of it was just sitting in thoughtful silence and how much of it was talking? Maybe the people who completed it were just those who were like experienced meditators. (laughs) The lesson here is that methodology matters. Tip number four, also from Anne, don't ignore the outliers. A poll that comes out that, that sort of defies expectations very commonly gets written off as, well, it's just an outlier. And honestly, we don't know. When a poll seems to go against what the crowds are saying, she says, just keep an open mind. And that brings us to our final tip, tip number five. This one comes from Elliot Morris. He says, don't treat any single poll as the definitive truth. Instead, look to polling averages. So here at 538 and some other websites, what I spend most of my life doing uh, is pouring over the spreadsheets of polls that 538's research uh, compile for us and feeding them through statistical models that average all of these surveys together. And these averages are often better than any individual poll. So in that way, you're controlling for the noise of the polling data, and and you're also seeing how the race might be evolving over time. So there you go. Five tips. Look beyond the headline. Consider the poll's margin of error and its methodology. Don't ignore the outliers, but also be cognizant of the polling averages. Now, it's probably worth mentioning here that even if you do all these things and if you consider the averages, it is still possible that a lot of different polls could suffer from the same bias or the same blind spots. You know, I think a lot of us remember the 2016 election when a lot of polls suggested that it was unlikely Donald Trump would win the presidency. But Elliot says if you look at the data over decades, the science of polling actually has gotten better over the years more accurate at predicting how the votes are going to stack up on election night. Which doesn't mean that these systems are perfect. Polling is also incredibly complex. It's way more complicated than the days when you could just randomly auto-dial people on their home landlines. Nowadays, pollsters have tried to adapt by trying to reach people through cell phones and text messages and even snail mail. Again, it's scientific, but the complexity here yields a lot of uncertainty. So you should never take a single poll as, you know, the final answer on something. Yeah, it ain't perfect. It is often messy. But so is democracy, right? Adrian with the civics lesson. This episode was produced by Julia Ritchie with engineering by Patrick Murray. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. It was edited by Patty Hirsch and the Indicator's a production of NPR. On It's Been a Minute... We're keeping you in the know when it comes to culture. I break down the latest trends and the forces behind them and introduce you to the creatives who think deeply about how we live today. Come for some good old cultural analysis and have a few laughs with me. Listen to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message is brought to you by NPR sponsor, Lisa, in collaboration with West Elm. Discover the new natural hybrid mattress, expertly crafted from natural latex and certified safe foams, designed with your health and the planet in mind. Visit leesa.com to learn more.